Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. Alex and I welcome Dan Gilmore to the show. He's an American technology writer and columnist, co-founder of News Collab, an initiative to elevate news literacy and awareness at Arizona State University's Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication, and, and a, a good friend, particularly as we sort of watch technology evolve over the years, uh, someone I rely on uh, for his insight. And Dan, really, thanks for coming on the show today. It's great to see you. And uh, God, it's a long time we've known each other. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking world. back. I was thinking back uh, when you were, when we first kind of connected, I think, was when you were at the San Jose uh, Mercury uh, News. And, and it started, I think, the first uh, web blog from a, uh, by a journalist of a mainstream, you know, media outlet uh, in like 1999. And I remember reading that blog uh, quite a bit, the e-journal, I think it was called. And uh, that and other blogs that I re was reading at the time started giving me the the notion that maybe if I got a chance to run another presidential campaign or near the top, that that I'd be, there, there was a different way to do it, to empower people and to engage them. That led to the Dean campaign, where you, which you were you know, covering a, a, a lot of what we were doing doing there. And so, yeah, it, but now look at where we, we are. I mean, I know back then uh, in my book, uh, The Revolution Won't Be Televised, I had sort of this utopian hope that it would lead to a more citizen engagement where we would be talking to each other, not screaming at each other, and empower citizens to take more control of their politics. And I know you've... Since so the same time, way before I had that thought in, in uh, uh, politics, you were you were looking at citizen journalism and the way that the internet might fuel the ability for for citizens, so to take on sort of the big media silos that were out there and were taking more and more control. Where do we stand now, Dan, from from your perspective? I I think the uh, it, it was never I think a utopian view of what might happen. It was a, uh, here, here are the possibilities. And I remember in, in the book, I were uh, around the same time you did yours, talking about the idea that the citizen journalism thing was going to be real. But I also devoted about three chapters to what could go wrong. And they were. Yeah, I, I missed it, that. It, I didn't. I didn't write that part yeah. in the yeah, politics well, it, book. <laughs> I, I, um, I think. I, I think that. Uh, it was basically, it's a lot of what happened. I did not anticipate social media in the form it took in the 2004 book, but I thought of blogs as the social media that became something else. And we've moved a lot of what we called blogging to social media, which is good and bad. But the dangers were always there. 
the, the idea that deceit could become one of the primary aims of people who were using democratized technology was clear that it could happen. I did not guess that the people who, uh, who lie for a living and who uh, consider power far more important than any other thing money and power would gain such strength and get such help from technology industry that didn't think through ever and never really has the downside of what could be done with its tools. And that's where we are trying to figure our way out of this. But I think the great stuff has happened, continues to happen. The the Pulitzer Prize designation for the young woman in Minneapolis who did pure citizen journalism by capturing that uh, 10 or so minute video of the police officer killing the man on the street. Uh, that's part of the promise. And we, we got to keep in mind as people try to bring social media under control, which worries me a lot, that we could also bring the good stuff under control and see a lot of that go away. So anyway. Dan, it, it used to be that the institutions like the, the Times or even, even CNN briefly had this kind of level of if they say it, it's got to be true. I mean, you look at the BBC as kind of some of these arbiters of truth. One of the things with citizen journalism now that's really scary is this notion that like the QAnon movement, people like that encourage people to find their own truth and expose it in such a way that really isn't news or isn't even true. How do you kind of balance that with the, the decline of institution and this new wave of citizen journalism? Well, the, 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 the desire for believing things that are not true is not new. Uh, you can go back a long way in history and find this kind of thing. You can find the uh, the radio programs of Father Coughlin in the in the 20th century, the uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh, who actually I think is the primary uh, success story, and I use success in quotes, of undermining trust in media, which at some level deserved to have their trust undermined. We can't hearken back to golden days that were partly fool's gold and think that that just because a lot of what was true was published by the great journalism organizations, that doesn't let them off the hook for the stuff they ignored that was important or the stuff that they uh, didn't do right. And I, I'm, I'm going to still say that democratized media, the ability to publish on balance, even now, even now, is better than uh, two or three news outlets dominating absolutely everything uh, when Look what we see what happens when they become intertwined with people in power, not just in this country. Joe, you've done that your 
your whole career, especially internationally, with, with giving the citizens the power to tell their own stories. And I can think of five examples in Africa. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think Dan's right, though, like that we've always had the lies out there. I mean, you go back all the way to like, you know, Jefferson when, when he was running for president and uh, they got guys on horses running around screaming uh, through the colonies or the original early states that, that Jefferson's dead, you know, and if you hadn't seen Jefferson for a while... There wasn't really any way to to put that rumor down, except to get more your guys on horses running through the states screaming Jefferson lives, and they didn't have proof of life with you know a, a picture of a newspaper or or a tweet uh, or some other way to to say no, hey, hey I'm I'm here, uh, and and today you know you can do that with video and other things. So I think the citizen journalism part is right. I mean, one of the things that I thought back then in the 2003-2004, or I, and I still think is happening, is that all this technology in, in a lot of ways has, has taken power from the top. Uh, I mean, where it had total control. I mean, there were three news outlets that had, you know, complete control of what you, you were reading or seeing on television. And uh, in the same with politicians, consultants, and parties, they were able to just pick people in back, you know, in Smokefield back rooms or or uh, through sort of primary processes that were gamed. And now, you know, from that period on, the more power that's been put in people's hands, like, like Dan said, um, the George Floyd murder uh, caught by, you know, a, a young person who thought to turn her camera on and her phone on and, and captured those nine minutes, 10 minutes changed everything in a lot of ways, had a big impact. So that power shift is happening. And, and that's part of also the, uh, both the danger as Dan puts it, you know, the wrong people. I, I said back then the technology doesn't know who's using it, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I think in journalism, we're starting to see, I mean, we, we're starting to see the fruits of that. And, and we've seen it occasionally in our politics with, with different campaigns. But the fact is, the Trump campaign was far better, I think, at empowering his, his supporters and instilling them with fear and lies. And there wasn't a whole lot of counter to it from the media Again, I think right now you see, and I think this is one of the things, Dan, I wanted to talk to you about with your new new post uh, that you you have out. You know, sort of this both sides ism of the the pre. All of us are still sort of stuck in this past world where there were two functioning parties, and the problem is the press. That's the only way they know how to cover what's happening on the Hill or what's happening. Uh, you know, in elections, it's Republicans versus Democrats, it's left versus right, it's, you know, we're supposed to reach across the aisle, but what do you do? And there, no one's really reporting it, you know, that there's a party led by someone who is instilling, using lies and instilling fear and isn't negotiated. There's no way, and it's not being covered that way because, or the way it should be, I think, because again, everybody's sort of stuck in this you know, decades of how they think about about where we are. And and so, so Dan, I wanted to hear where you think, how you think about that. 
It's it's an important question, and we are in in the journalism world, uh, to my surprise, still struggling with it because the it, it, I don't think it's right to say that nobody's covering this because there is now more attention to it. Sure, there there is even in the uh, even in what I call big journalism, capital B, capital J, the the uh, the top powers in the industry. There's there's at least an understanding that both sidesism is wrong. Doesn't mean they don't do it. Right. It doesn't mean they don't normalize the abnormal on a routine basis. But I think there's an awareness that it's a terrible, terrible thing to cover quote both sides when one side is lying and to give that side equal prominence uh, for its lie. That normalizes deceit. That makes the whole uh, norm of journalism, which had some usefulness in the past, the idea of both sides was that you were having an honest discussion that both sides were bringing facts to the table that were that that looking at and looking at common facts and coming to different conclusions that's uh that's largely gone in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of fields but politics is right at the top as far as i can see and for for journalists to ever do this at this point strikes me as a just total uh, abrogation duty it's malpractice and it goes on and on and on and i don't i don't have a good answer anymore it took journalism big journalism uh i don't know four and a half years starting in 2015 to start uh in any serious way calling trump's lies lies I mean, they had to wear out thesauruses to, to, or thesauri, to find words instead of lie, falsehoods, uh, without basis, uh, you know, unproven, da, 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 da. When he, you know, these were just plain provable lies. Yeah, well, you I, still see that now with the, 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 uh, there, there's been no widespread fraud is the way they answer the, you, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, no, it, it, it's always sort of couched, you know, in a, in a way that, that lets it live. Well, it's not, it's, look, it's an, there is no such thing as a zero fraud national election, but it's so right. vanishingly rare that if you know anything about statistics and about the relative levels of risk in various things that happen in our world, you know that it's all but zero, which is really amazingly good. Journalism doesn't get those nuances. Journalism, this is another part of of the journalism norm is to overhype things that have a very low risk to any individual person or thing. Exceedingly low risk gets all kinds of hype. And things that happen every day get nothing in the way of, you know, some things are way riskier than others that get much less attention than things that are 
where there's almost no risk to almost anybody. This happens all the time. So we're coming up on Independence Day here, and uh, I I know uh, that you have a piece that talks about sort of the need for more activist journalism to take on a more activist or journalists to take on a more activist role, particularly in this place where we've got, you know, look, let's face it, an authoritarian movement that's being fueled by this guy who's lying and his enablers. And people talk about, you know, I talk about this all the time, Joe Biden and Joe Manchin, all these guys are supposed to, because they're supposed to reach across the aisle and find bipartisan solutions to govern. But, and then the coverage is all sort of Joe Biden's bipartisan infrastructure bill looks like it's going to fail. Like he's the, the reason when he's trying, he's negotiating with hostages to this movement and, and to Trump. Um, and it's, I, it's never covered that way, I don't think. But ha- anyway, I wanted to get your, re- your feeling about this activist journalism that you're, you're talking about. Yeah, not never. I, th- I think the uh, important, uh, I, I've been saying for a long time, this is that journalists on some things, should be activists, just outright activists, no matter what kind of journalism they do, because if they're not, then why bother being journalists? And I'm, when I think I'm talking about things like freedom of expression, right? that a journalist who's not an activist for freedom of expression is, you know, should go into some other business. Uh, that's, a, that's kind of a no-brainer to me. And I think the public understands that journalism covers itself when it comes to journalism's freedom of expression uh, in a very activist way. There's no real two sides offered in journalism coverage of, uh, you know, people beating up journalists or squashing their ability to do their work, et cetera. That's covered as a, this is a really bad thing. Right. True. And without dissent in the journalism ranks, basically, you don't say, you know, they don't go out and get the side of, uh, uh, you know, the person who is not the authoritarian doing it, who's saying, yeah, but we, you know, we're, I'm a journalist, but I will observe journalism and they ought to be shut down. You don't, so look, it's activists to begin with. Right. And there are issues for which we really have to do it. And lately, <clears throat> uh, as a number of people have been pointing out, and, and I'll, flag something Jay Rosen, our uh, friend at NYU, has uh, done really eloquently. He's he's pointed out, as have a number of others, that uh, something fundamental is broken, as you've just said, in our system, that one party doesn't believe in it. That and And what I'm saying in this new post is that I'm channeling some of that, that uh, the, the, there, there's a growing radical right-wing faction, uh, largely now controls the Republican Party, that, and these are activists, and they're trying to uh, regain full power and take the nation down a, an authoritarian or maybe worse road where uh, minority increasingly, harshly rules the majority. And that it could become the end of the republic as we know it. And that that strikes me as the moment on a, you know, that we're looking at Independence Day, and I'm begging journalists to declare independence. 
from the norms and the practices that serve to help bring down the republic that in the process will, if they do it right, help them retain freedom of expression. Because if the republic goes, so does the press. And I think journalists need to make that connection among others. So I'm working, I'm, I'm going to be posting this today and it's, it, it's an update in a way on something from about five years ago or more that where I was asking journalists to recognize that please be activists on the issues where you have no choice if we want to keep a system in place that we believe in, at least I do, the democracy and the rule of the people, by the people, for the people. We had Ezra Klein on the show uh, a few weeks ago, and he talked about this a little bit not the journalism piece of it, but that the, the one of the problems we have now is um, because media got so fractured and because you, you don't have to watch the news if you don't want to and you can watch your own, it's not it, – it, part of the problem is the people who watch their own and get in that echo chamber. But the other part of it is uh, um, uh, people have a lot of other things they can do now than consume news or – stay up to date on what's going on. And part of the way, uh, what, what that gave me some, really scared me because then I started thinking that, okay, so if you cover this as both sides, fighting, you know, Republicans versus Democrats, left versus right, even in the fight over what happened on January 6th, it's just two parties, the coverage is, it tends to be two parties fighting over like whether there's gonna be a commission or not. And those people, they just start, they, as soon as they start seeing that, they tune out, oh, that's just the politics, and that benefits the the authoritarian movement, right? It, it benefits, and that, that's why I think Trump plays all the distraction cards and lies and things that he does, because if, we, if we're fighting over that as both sides, then, you, you, yeah, he fuels his people, yeah. and a lot of people tune out, and I don't think a lot, I don't think journalism, journalists think about it in that way. Again, again, I think they're so stuck in the, it, it, again, not, I don't mean this in a, as an attack on, on any reporter. I'm just saying that if, if, hey, I was, by the way, I was there months ago, kept saying, hey, we need to reach across party lines, be bipartisan. I mean, because that's how I grew up my whole, my whole life. Um, and then I realized, well, that's how everybody's covering it. That's how probably Joe Biden is thinking about it. Joe Manchin's definitely thinking about it that way. Probably a lot of really good reporters think that way, and they got to break out of it somehow. It, it, it's, and I, I want to be really clear. I have an, an absolute love of journalism and, and the deepest respect and admiration for many, many, many people in the trade. That does not extend at this point to the people who run the business, who I think are, and, and there are all kinds of factors at work, including the, the financial woes of journalism in, at the local level, which are profound. And the, uh, the, the, the competition for clicks and uh, viewers and listeners, et cetera, that has always in our 
at least recent history and probably a long time back, <clears throat> led to tabloidism that was more financially successful than doing it straight. But for all of these things and all of the reasons I can think of why they're doing it, it's broken. <laughs> the norms, adherence to business as usual is a broken system for journalism. And I just begging them to wake up and do some things that are uh, going to help make a difference. I, I think without it, we're in trouble. And But by the way, I'll put in a little plug for some of the work we do, which is this is not only a supply side problem. It's if we if we made all of the top journalists, if, if, if every person in big journalism did what I was, was asking, that wouldn't fully solve the problem because it's a demand problem even more. If we don't, uh, up, we, yes, upgrade, let's upgrade journalism. Great, I'm all there. But if we don't upgrade ourselves as people and, and quote, consumers of news, then we're not going to solve this overall problem. We, we have to help ourselves be better at this. And there are a lot of uh, phrases that fall under that, including media literacy, but, but there's a general sense that we have to understand what we're looking at better than we do and understand how technology, media, et cetera, work, understand literacies of various kinds. And we're, uh, I, I'm hopeful that we're making progress there. Well, you wrote that, you know, one of the things they have to, we, we want journalists to be activists about is, you know, for public grounding in reality. But that citizen journalism is doing that too, can do that. I mean, if, as citizens, I mean, it is, that that is one of the things that we have to build, I think, is some sort of, you know, uh, uh, sense of citizenship, which I think also has been sort of, smashed a lot in the last four i mean it's already was going down but i think it really got got smashed and divided in the last four or five years and the word citizen is really important the part it's really it's i, I think of anyone who's part of a community <clears throat> whether they're uh, a citizen or not um is that community is really key and that being part of a community that that Participation, uh, voting is for, for those of us who vote, which I hope will be even more people, voting is only one kind of participation. It's not perhaps even the most important kind in the long run. The other part is getting active and doing things. And that has to start at the ground level. And you've pointed out a lot accurately that the Republicans are better at it than the Democrats yeah. and have been for about five or six decades or more. Yeah, absolutely. Organizing on the ground and the Democrats have been sleepwalking and focused on national elections. It's really, it, I, I got to hand it to the Republicans. They started earlier, worked harder, got more money into it. And that's turned into quite a problem for the future of the Republic. But the Democrats have shown very little sign of wanting to do that, even now, which blows my mind. Yeah, no, the big the big uh, insight of the Dean campaign or the big item learned wasn't uh, uh, 
instilling power, empowering people at the local level to, to, yeah. to become active. It was, hey, we can raise a lot of money on the Internet. Um, I mean, that seems I mean, that that was a big and focus that energy on, like, as you said, national elections uh, well, and not at the local level, the way the Republicans, as you point out, for have been they realized early on, build at the local level, gain the state legislatures, redraw congressional lines, make safe red state red seats. Um, and uh, they've been doing it for, you know, decade after decade. And now. We're on the verge where in 2022, they're going to be redrawing a lot of lines again. And and now Democrats are finally open. What, what they're waking up to is that reality that, geez, maybe we ought to have done something about that. Um, I'm still trying to instill that we need to we, we can we can have a bottom up community in the party, uh, a pro-democracy coalition at the same kind of that's what we need. We need a pro-democracy activist in the press and a pro-democracy coalition of, and welcome anybody who wants to be part of it, regardless of their party, but, but build it that, at the local level. I, I, I hope so. I mean, I, in, our, in our small town in uh, California, we have people who agree on nothing politically at the national level, but who work together to do stuff for our town. I just have to, I have to believe that that's the basis for a future we can live in. And that won't be the disaster that might happen if the, if the top-down author, authoritarians get total control, which is the part that worries me. Well, that's why I think the, the, the real problem is, the, is sort of waking enough people, both in the press and in the citizenry, up to the threat in time. I mean, 2022, I think, you know, really is an important election. And I fear if it gets covered as sort of two parties finding it out and not as the threat that the country faces or or that isn't sort of highlighted somehow uh, that, you know, that we we may lose that fight. How would you... I, I'm I'm going to turn this around on you. I want to ask you what what if if you could have an ideal kind of a genre that press uh, journalists at, uh, at all levels, local to national. What, what's the framing of the election coming that you see as the one to suggest? I really do think I think it's along the lines of what you're suggesting in your post, uh, uh, you know, grounding. We got they've got to fight to ground people in reality um, and get beyond the context of both sides uh, when one side is lying. And they've got to make that clear. I think I think um, that that, you know, that it is an authoritarian movement that I that I I think has shown itself to be capable of, of, of violence. And there's a lot of them that talk about it in those terms about, you know, they may, re, you know, the polling numbers that show like 20% of Americans think that uh, they might have to re- resort to, to, to violence to, in, to uh, uh, put in the rightful leader question that just, you know, th- that's all going on out there. And that's not Republicans versus Democrats. That's, that's an authoritarian movement versus 
we the people in our democracy. And I, I, and I, I think that's part of the conundrum here from the political side. I know as a, you know, somebody who's out there working to get, to get votes, it's not just the press and the, the Bidens and mansions that are sort of stuck believing. And I don't, and again, I, I do not mean this in the pejorative sense. I mean that, that that's just the mindset that we've all come up with, that there's, there's the, there are these two parties. But I think the, the, the problem is, so there are a lot of people, a lot of citizens out there who, th who still see the world that way, don't see this, the threat, even after January 6th. Uh, and so they want, uh, you know, I, I see that they, they really want somebody to be, quote, reaching across party lines, trying to find common ground. Doug Jones, the guy I, I fought like hell for to try to um, make sure he was reelected in Alabama, um, was one of those people. And th that's what a lot of those Republican women that did vote for him, a lot of younger Republicans and a lot, a lot of college educated Republicans, that's what made them think about voting for him, particularly the first time when we won. So, how, you know, it's one of these weird things where on the one hand, saying it's an authoritarian movement and it's going to end our, you know, could end our democracy is pushes against that that urge that we all have that a lot of us have as citizens in history of two parties that we want them to work together and get things done. So I, I personally, I think where we got to come down is we've got to let Biden and Joe Manchin and those guys and anybody who work with anybody they can in the Senate to find to, to be able to get things done, done, find the small areas of common ground and, and keep that that happening. But that that means the rest of it, and that's where the press comes in. The, the the rest of us have to make clear to our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, um, and the way the press covers this that that's not reality. That what's really going on here, and that the real threat um, in in the next few elections is what we all do. That the truth matters, and what we do matters. And it's time to engage, to become active activists in your community, activists in the, in the press corps, on, the, on the, the three or four issues that you talk about, freedom of speech, voting rights, you know, grounding it, the reality, calling lies, lies, and not treating it, treating these fights as, as just both sides going, it, the usual both sides are going at it again. I think that makes people tune out when we need them to be active. That's, and that's why I think uh, I, I wanted you on to, 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 to talk about your, your plea, because I think it's really, really important. And I don't know if our listeners can do anything to help, uh, help that, except we'll put your, we'll definitely put your, your post in the, in the show notes so people can read it and maybe, uh, digest that and see how they can, it, maybe it'll instill them to be, be more active in their community too, while you're, we, we hope that the press, uh, listens to your, your plea. Well, I, I appreciate very much that you're uh, pushing all these issues as you have for a while. And uh, it, it's an alarming time, but it, I think the worst thing that we could do is give up. Oh, no, we can't do that. We have to fight. That's what I'm saying. I think this is, that's the fight. The fight isn't between two parties um, and it's not le left or right. And I think we have to all stop seeing it that way. And that's why we've got to be activist citizens and, and why I think you're right 
that journalists, uh, and uh, again, when you, I know exactly what you mean by activists. You mean on the, the things that are, you know, are clear and grounded in reality and grounded in freedom of, uh, of speech and uh, expression and grounded in protecting the constitution of the people, by the people and for the people. Uh, because you're right, without that, there will be no journalism at some point. Well, there, there will be journalism, but it'll look a lot like the journalism that comes from Hungary or China right. or Saudi yeah. Arabia. And uh, that's, well, that's not my ideal. Right. Well, and that's part of the problem. So what I keep finding is, it, it, you know, first there was the, hey, Trump is going to be, be elected. No, that can't happen in America. Then it was January 6th could get really, you know, you know, could get really bad. No, not. I mean, I don't think the, the, the law enforcement could imagine. I mean, Stuart Stevens, who I, on the Republican side, who I talked to quite a bit, said we, we all continue to lack the imagination of how far this can go, how far Trump and the authoritarian movement is willing to take it. And so we couldn't imagine that. I still think there are a lot of Americans, a lot on the press corps, a lot on Capitol Hill, who can't imagine authoritarian movement? You know, I mean, just they—they they can't imagine that the the press media that you're talking about that that this could happen in in this country, and we came, you know, forty four thousand votes in three states from maybe po finding out, uh, unfortunately, how close you know that that it is possible because I, I God knows where Trump would have taken it in the in a second term. Um, but the, the, the reality is he's a symptom, uh, and he sure puts gasoline on the disease, but it's out there, and we've got to somehow get people, one, aware of it, and two, active, both, I think, as citizens and in the media, to understand that threat. And I, I really appreciate you, your piece, and uh, again, we'll put it in our show notes and, um, and hope people take the time to, to, to read it. Um, Dan, I think we're, we're kind of running out of time here. Uh, so I really want to thank you for coming on. And where can we find your your work? I'll definitely post it on my blog, which is at uh, dangilmore.com. But um, I, I, I suspect that there will be uh, someone else who wants to use it as well. I always do stuff under Creative Commons license, which means it's freely available to share. Cool. So we'll we'll put that in our we'll put those links in our in our show notes as well. Okay. And really, again, Dan, uh, really appreciate all you've done and are doing. You've been a big advocate for citizen journalism throughout, and uh, uh, and I just think uh, you're you're right on about uh, your plea uh, for journalists to become activists uh, uh, and, and 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 put this down. Well, let's let's uh, we got to keep working for. We will. For our country, it's it's too precious to stop, uh, to, to give up on. Yeah, no, I the one thing, I still have a lot of faith uh, in the American people. I do have a lot of faith in our in, in our journalism. Uh, I, too, revere a lot of the people that you're talking about and respect them. I think a lot of this is just waking up to how real this threat is yeah. and what's needed to, 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 to stop it. So everybody, uh, we'll, put it, we'll put Dan's post in our show notes. Uh, and we'll be back next Friday at the usual time. As always, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to that trippy show at gmail.com 
or leave us a question in, re in your review on iTunes. And we'll see you next Friday. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.